We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Coming up, guys, um, a new year, a new podcast with a little bit of a new format. And in my opening monologue, I'm going to talk a little bit about that and also a brief preview of what we can expect in this critical year of 2024. I have an in-depth interview with um, an Emmy award-winning actress. Her name is Martha Byrne. And wait till you hear her story with her husband, uh, Mike McMahon, the experience that they had being targeted, prosecuted uh, by the U.S. government, by the Eastern District of New York. Uh, just uh, horrifying and a sign that there's a kind of a widespread breakdown in our justice system. Uh, hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google or Spotify, please subscribe to the podcast, uh, to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Guys, it's a new year and uh, I am back. Debbie and I are back. The podcast is back. We um, took a couple of weeks off and I want to, um, well, thank Monica Crowley and Kyle Serafin for sitting in for me and doing a great job. I've gotten some very good reaction on both those guys. They're, they're very different. Monica is kind of old school. And in fact, she's telling Debbie, she's like, well, I like to print everything out. And, and she operates by, well, and Debbie goes, that's exactly like you, Dinesh. <laughs> We're old school now. Debbie's actually not old school. Debbie's, I sometimes call her a gadgeteer. She loves new gadgets. And usually there's something wrong with our computers and stuff. It's like Debbie's on the case to get it, get it sorted out. And then Kyle, of course, is really tech savvy. And, uh, but he's also brings, uh, just an interesting point of view. So I'm, you know, as you know, in the past, I've had Danielle, my daughter, or Brandon sit in for me. They are preoccupied with their campaign. This has become, well, it, it has to be an obsession, right? Because the primary for Brandon's race, this is for Texas uh, Congressional District um, 26, is that right? Uh, it's March 5th, so it's two months away, and it's uh, kind of a sprint to the finish line. So um, Debbie has been kind of experienced with campaigns. I'm really not, but we're getting a little bit of an, uh, a view as to all the different elements from door-to-door knocking to um, signs to billboards to radio ads and TV ads to going to events. And it seems like Brandon and Danielle were going to a Christmas party every day for the past you know month leading all the way uh, through the end of the year. And then after a very short break, they're kind of jumping right back into it. If, by the way, if you want to find out more about the campaign, support Brandon, go to brandongillforcongress.com. 
Now, if you're um, listening to the podcast, everything may seem kind of the same. But if you're watching, you'll see that we've got a little different setup. It's a um, different background, a little more casual. Well, I think a little bit more of a podcasty uh, setup. And um, the reason for this is that uh, I've done three years of the podcast. I have been uh part of the Salem Podcast Network. In fact, I think I was maybe the first or maybe the second, I don't know, guy to be part of that network, which has now expanded considerably. And um, and for the first three years, our format was very much, well, I guess I'd call it a sort of a modified Fox News format, which is to say I the structure of it looked like I was a TV uh, host and covering sort of segments on the news. Each segment was typically around six minutes long. And I, I tried to stay within that format and it worked reasonably well. But it occurred to me that that's a little bit more of a format for a TV show. And I began to feel the limitations of the format really in two areas. One is that uh, there was a kind of unnatural break, if you will, sometimes between topics. And so I would move on to the next topic, but I hadn't quite finished what I wanted to say in the previous topic. So I thought I need to find a way to have longer segments so I can go into something in more depth. And also with the interviews, I felt a little bit like, you know, a TV host in which I'm interviewing someone and I've got this very tight format of six minutes or maybe two segments of six minutes. And, and and very often they've got a lot of ideas they want to get into. They've they've got a lot to say. And I'm only able to give people a teaser, almost like a like a trailer of the the full uh, story that I want to bring out. So I thought, no, let's let's adapt the format so I can do more in-depth interviews talk to someone for 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes if need be. And uh, and you'll find that that is the case today. I've got a really interesting guest, Martha Byrne. She's a three-time Emmy Award-winning actress. She was, uh, what was it, honey? As the World Turns. She was Lily on As the World Turns. Now, I wasn't really in the United States for all of this, so I, well... Oh, I was in the United States, but not a regular watcher of soap operas like Debbie. So there you go. But in any event, she's a lovely lady, and she uh, and her husband, who is um, in law enforcement and then a PI, a private investigator, gets not just drawn into, but I would say targeted by the U.S. government. This is the Eastern District of New York. I've had some experience with the Southern District of New York, targeted in a just nefarious way. Uh, and again, I think the nice thing about our new format is it allows me to go into it and she is able to really spell out what happened to her and the impact on her family. Just truly terrifying. If, until it happens to you, you're sort of in in disbelief. Um, this is going to be a big year, 2024, and um, with the election uh, at the end of it and the supreme efforts by the Democrats and by the left to, well, I'd have to say, make it a non-election. And I, I mean that sincerely. They, they want to rig the playing field. They want to stack uh, the, um, the odds in their favor. And they want to remove the leading candidate of the Republican Party from the ballot. Wow. And they're doing this. This is the chutzpah in the name of democracy. So uh, I titled this uh, segment Forecast 2024, and I haven't really done much forecasting, but I do forecast that this is going to be a year in which the gloves completely come off 
We're going to see things that none of us can fully anticipate now. Uh, the level of uh, insanity, I don't mean dementia, I don't mean Biden-style dementia, I mean the left completely losing it is going to reach a whole new level this year. And our job, very simple, is to be ready for them. As we head into a presidential election year, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be tumultuous. So how will your hard-earned savings fare? Well, you already see the impact of inflation at the pump, the grocery store, the dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than wages can increase. So how are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now you can own gold in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text to Nash to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA of 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, including me and Debbie, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Dinesh to 989898 for your free information kit. Text Dinesh to 989898 now. My name is Mark Lichtenfeld, best-selling author of Get Rich with Dividends and chief income strategist at the Oxford Club, one of the world's largest and most prominent financial firms where over 250,000 readers receive my insights each week. I believe we're entering the greatest oil bull market since the 1970s. That's why I'm so excited to share this special oil and gas investment with you today. I've discovered an unusual way to potentially bank massive income from the oil and gas surge 100% outside the stock market. Oil and gas royalties are a backdoor way to get paid over and over again, and you can get into a top royalty stream for just $25. This is your chance to get the income you need to truly enjoy life simply because you made the decision to give the Oxford Income Letter a risk-free try today. But this opportunity won't last forever. To learn more about Mark Lichtenfeld's unusual approach to generating monthly income from the oil markets, please visit oilpayday.com. That's oilpayday.com, paid for by the Oxford Club. Guys, one of the subjects that we cover regularly on the podcast is the the justice system, or in some cases it seems these days, injustice system. And uh, our focus is typically on politics, the ideological manipulation of the justice system. But it seems like the problem is bigger than that. It's wider than that. And I want to welcome for my guest today, Martha Byrne. She's a three-time Emmy award-winning actress. She's probably best known for her role um, as the character Lily, and then later her twin sister Rose on As the World Turns. And um, she and her family got drawn into one of these cases. It's really horrifying. And you'll see in a moment how it turns your life upside down. Um, the case involves her husband, um, Mike McMahon, and uh, who spent his career as, well, he was in law enforcement and then he was a private investigator. So let's bring on Martha Byrne. By the way, you can follow her on X, Martha Byrne 10. Uh, also, there's a website, pipehitterfoundation.org. We'll get to that. Uh, it's a foundation supporting the legal efforts of Martha and her husband and their, and their family. Uh, Martha, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Um, you know, uh, uh, Debbie has been an aficionado of, um, 
of uh, television and following <laughs> soap operas and stories over years and years. And you are a, a known person in so many people's homes over such a long period of time. And yet here you are suddenly drawn into this bizarre legal situation, which has been, I mean, you used a word a moment ago, just hell uh, on your family. Uh, maybe I could just start by asking you to just comment on the fact that when when someone does not have exposure to the legal system, you have a kind of civics book faith in it. You're like, the good guys are going to come out okay. Policemen are going to kind of apprehend the bad guys. Judges are there to make sure everything is on the up and up. Uh, juries, of course, are are there to provide the kind of common man's wisdom in the situation. And then when you're in the system somehow, <laughs> you discover it's totally different than that. Can you talk a little bit about just the surrealism of the case that you've been living with now for, what, three, four, five years? It's been three years. I, I think that being, my husband was took the NYPD test when he was 16. He was, I get 78 medals of honor while he was on the NYPD. He became a private investigator, one of the most sought after private investigators in the tri-state area. He worked for the federal government on federal cases, high profile cases, He's never done anything wrong in his life. Like when we first met, I'd said, how are you so perfect? And I know, I mean, that sounds like a, a broad stroke comment, but it is true. Like the man has lived his life saving lives and protecting others and of honesty. And on the NYPD, you know, there's a high standard of investigations and protocols. And I found that when you're in the system of the federal system, that that doesn't seem to be the same protocols and the same standards that are kept to regarding investigations. You know, we knew that he had done nothing wrong. He had a, a th- he's worked on thousands of cases. This was a routine case where he got called by an American company business in Queens to do some background checks, asset searches, very routine case, hired two NYPD retired detectives who also were PIs spoke to two federal agents about the case. This is 2016. So you got to remember what we're talking about. 2016. Never thought about it again. Worked five days, made notifications to the local police department doing surveillance. He did invoices. He did everything right. He did more more than right, right? He did above and beyond. And he never thought about it again. And then four years later, the FBI is at our door saying that he was violating FARA, which I'm sure you're hearing a little bit more about now, Foreign Agents Registration Act. And interstate stalking, which is ridiculous because PIs do that. They surveil. I mean, news organizations surveil, insurance companies surveil. You know, he notified the local police. That's like telling the police that you're going to go rob a bank the week before, right? What day you're going to be there in this time. It makes no sense that he was armed, that he was retired in YPD. He went into the police, local police, and told them about it. Like, so there was nothing about this. We thought this must be a horrible mistake, you know? They must have gotten the wrong guy. So he freely spoke to the FBI when they arrested him. They never told him what he was charged with until after he spoke to them, which is really disturbing. Like, because if they had told him he was charged with interstate stalking, he would have laughed because it's ridiculous. He would never do anything illegal. He never break, does break the law. So what happens in the federal system, I think when the, the takeaway, there's so much to take away, but I have to say something. The lengths that they will go to to prevent evidence that is beneficial to you is astonishing. You would think that if your charge would be accused of being a foreign agent for our country, betraying our country after what he's lived his life to do, 
you should be able to present any piece of evidence that exonerates you. And we were prevented from talking about his career as NYPD. We were prevented to talk about a civil lawsuit against the subject that he was surveilling who had been served on his property a few months after my husband's surveillance. We couldn't talk about the China initiative, which I'd like to talk about a little bit more. We were allowed to show his entire interrogation video, which exonerated him. They only showed like two minutes of it or three minutes of it, which, of course, after talking to them for an hour and a half, they pull out what they want to make him look bad. And 99.9% of it, it shows that he was obviously targeted and used. But I have to tell you something. What's so disturbing about this case is that what he did is not illegal. There was no crime. Zero. Absolutely no crime. So to create something and create a case because he's an American citizen, I guess, I don't know. He's the only American citizen charged in this case. His history is good for clicks. It's good for a press conference, you know, is is shocking. But I have to say something else. When you have the head of the FBI doing a press conference in front of the world saying that these people were behaving like an organized crime syndicate and they knew this for years and they didn't protect my family. They didn't use the NYPD guys or, or the two federal agents involved in this case as assets. They never spoke to them, the FBI, over four years of their investigation. But they spoke to the Chinese agents who lied to them over and over again. And it all came out in court. You know, their witnesses, everybody lied in this case, except my husband. He's the only person who told the truth. And he's being punished the most for it. It is so wrong what has happened in, in this situation. But if, if you can arrest a, a, a PI for doing surveillance, background checks, you can arrest a plumber for changing a pipe. That's what I say. That's the analogy. It's like so many people use background checks, surveillance. It is legal. Parking on a public street, if this case sticks, it is now could be a federal crime if you park on a public street. How scary is that? You know, it's it's there's so much about this that is is truly shocking. Um, but I'm gravely disappointed in the Justice Department. I am horrified watching what they did to my husband every day in court. I wanted to scream at the top of my lungs, stop lying every day, because they just continue to, to promise all these things were going to come to fruition and they were going to provide witnesses about their accusations, and they never did. At the end of the trial, they never did, and the jurors were sleeping a lot of the time. One of the jurors got CCP propaganda put on their door on day two of deliberations. I mean, I, 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 I'm overwhelmed by how, how wrong this was. You know, you, you teach your children to be honest, tell the truth, do the right thing. And then the people who are supposed to, as our highest regard for truth and justice, are fabricating information and making things up to, to get the W. And I, I, I find that to be wrong. And look, you and I, we all know people who work in the federal system. I know FBI, pe- former, current federal agents, you know, <laughs> people who work in the U.S. attorneys, former U.S. attorneys. We can't lump all of them into the bad people. But what happens is if there's no accountability for the ones who do these things, then what kind of message are you sending to the, the rookies, the new people? The, the, the freshman U.S. attorneys who are in the courtroom, I wanted to say, this is not how it's supposed to work. If the guy's innocent, get him out. If he's not guilty of anything, stop. But protect our family, bottom line. I mean, I spoke to Richard Grinnell in D.C. when I was down there last year, and he said our family should have been given a defen- 
defense briefing, especially the U.S. law enforcement connected to this case, you know, and they didn't do that. They never spoke to them until after Mike's arrest. None of them. It's it's really it's it's really disheartening and um, upsetting on so many levels. But you know, we the fact that my family was put in, potentially put in danger. I mean, what if they came to my house? They had my address. They they, they we were followed after. I mean, I, it, it's it's so it's so disturbing that this is how they treat a hero who has sacrificed everything for this country, who put his life on the line for his whole career. And they knew that. Look, they know he's innocent, right? They know. They've seen it. They know he was used. He found assets. They didn't ask him to do anything illegal. He, they wanted to know how many houses the guy owned, how many cars, how many, you know, how many LLCs, all this stuff that he had. And they used that information to sue him civilly a few months later. So they never asked my husband. He would never do anything illegal. But here we are. We'll be right back with uh, Martha Byrne in a moment. Hey, it's a new year, and you might consider getting some new Giza Dream bed sheets. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't just stop with the My Pillow Pillow; he also created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but also extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a sixty-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The Giza sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. And Mike's latest incredible deal, sale of the year for a limited time, you get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You get a set for as low as $29.98. Wow. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, use promo code Dinesh. There you'll find not just this amazing offer, but deep discounts on all the MyPillow products. The MyPillow mattress topper, the kitchen towel sets, now even flannel sheets and so much more. If you want to call, here's the number, 800-876-0227. Again, 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com. Don't forget to use the promo code. It's D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. With each year that passes, the term health goals takes on more and more importance for me and Debbie. In our younger days, feeling great, feeling healthy was just something we took for granted. But now it's an active goal in our life. And that means we do specific things to help us get there. One of those things we do every day is take Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies and supplements. Now, why do we choose Balance of Nature? Many reasons. Probably one of the most important reasons, they are always made from whole food ingredients. Have you started getting more serious about your health goals like we have? I strongly urge you to check out Balance of Nature. Whether you order online or call them direct, you must use the promo code AMERICA to get the special offer of 35% off. Call them 800-246-8751. The number again, 800-246-8751. Use discount code AMERICA or you can order online at balanceofnature.com. Again, use discount code AMERICA to get 35% off. I'm back with um, three-time Emmy award-winning actress, writer, and producer Martha Byrne. Uh, you can follow her on X, Martha Byrne 10. And we're talking about this remarkable case involving her husband, Mike McMahon. Martha, let's uh, let's back up to the sort of the beginning of all this. Um, there are some bad guys 
it seems, involved in this enterprise. And it seems to be related to a kind of a nefarious Chinese operation, the so-called Chinese police stations, uh, in which uh, Chinese guys maintain a certain type of control over Chinese nationals, perhaps living in the United States. Now, your husband is not part of any of this. He was hired, as you say, by an American company, given a, a project, a task. And instead of going after the the bad guys, they go after your husband. Um, so let's go into the detail uh, of this because because what was the actual bad stuff that was going on that your husband had no had no inkling of? So there's two lanes to this case. There's a civil case, which is what my husband was asked to do, which had was nothing illegal, and there was a criminal lane. So in the criminal lane, they were trying to repatriate someone who was here, someone who had fled China. He had stolen millions of dollars from a construction company in China, and he was laundering the money here. And they were trying to get him to go back to face that crime, I imagine. I, they were apparently, they left a note, like a threatening note on his door. 18 months after my husband had finished his surveillance and they charged my husband with that. So they kind of lumped everything into the same crime, but that's not what was going on. And, you know, they were knocking on doors. I have to say something. There was another case in the Southern District of New York. This case was in the Eastern District. And in the Southern District of New York, there were multiple private investigators. There were multiple targets, Chinese targets. So they were knocking on doors, taking pictures. They never charged any of the private investigators in that case. So the, the, the repatriations and the, the MSS officers, which is the, the Chinese police, they were here under their own names in 2016. You know, they were taking classes in Houston. They were in Connecticut. Like the government knew they were here, but they were going off and doing these operations unbeknownst to the government, obviously, which, okay, but my husband was also just asked to do, again, a civil matter. So here's what's the man was on the Interpol's most wanted list for embezzlement and bribes, I believe. And so that matched up to what my husband was asked for. Oh, he stole money. Okay, I will find the money. So there's a lot of things and moving pieces that he had nothing to do with. Absolutely nothing. So it seems that what's going on, at least from what I can figure, is that the U.S. government lets in these Chinese guys into the country. They're, they know about it, and they've given mm-hmm. them permission to be here. But yeah. apparently, unknown to them, these Chinese guys are also acting as agents of the Chinese police or the Chinese government. They're like, let's grab this Chinese guy and take him back to the mainland. So the government should be looking at that and perhaps prosecuting that. But... uh but it seems like almost to cover up for their failure to do that because these Chinese guys seem to slip the net. They seem to go back to China. As you say, in one case, the guy was interviewed at the airport and then they let him go. Um, <laughs> and instead, they zoom into your husband and they kind of try to implicate him and claim he was a foreign agent because uh, ultimately he was hired by guys who had these nefarious objectives or at least were participating in these nefarious activities. So here's my question. I think for anyone trying to follow all this, and it is a little complicated, Yeah. Uh, do you think that the the motive here is that you've got a U.S. government or an agency of the government that is 
uh, embarrassed at their kind of failure to be able to apprehend this this Chinese operation that's going on under our noses. And they go, well, we got to get somebody uh, that shows that we are doing our job. And therefore, your husband and your family was sort of the uh, unfortunate target of choice. <laughs> to vindicate what otherwise is a failure of responsibility. I mean, you must have thought about, like, why are they doing this? Why do you think they're doing it? I think you hit it right on the head. I think, you know, you used the word embarrassed. It was actually a video played at our trial where the FBI agent is speaking to the Chinese agent who lies to him, right? But they know he's involved in some way in something that just happened. And he thanks them. Our, the FBI agent thanks him for talking because not to embarrass the government. So... But then he came back and they interviewed him again and he told them what was going on. Look, they know, they knew that they were using private investigators in these operations. The, the fact that the FBI didn't call my husband in April of 2017 when they had his phone, they had his information, right, to debrief him on what just happened is shocking, right? I mean... Crimes would have been prevented if they had talked to him and the other law, U.S. law enforcement here. But I think you're right. The main players, they had pictures of these guys. They had a, a pyramid of pictures of all these horrible Chinese operatives, right, who were here, who were gone. And then my husband's picture in there. Like, he knows who these people are. Like, the government knew who they were because they were, they told them. They had it listed on their visas who they were here to see what they were, you know, what they were to, where they were going. So I'm sorry. You don't get to send a message to China on my family's back. I'm sorry. You don't get to put my family in danger because you didn't do your job to bring them in. Do you realize that my husband spoke to an active agent back, I guess, a year and a half ago. We happened to see at a, a soccer game that he grew up with and he ended up hadn't seen him and he filled him in. And the agent's like, oh my gosh, I would have loved, abused you and, and brought you in and I would never have arrested you. So there's 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 FBI agents were tasked to do certain things. And with the China Initiative, I've been doing a lot of research on it. There was a, supposed to be an agent in every state who was supposed to be educating, helping, you know, getting the word out. And I don't know what was going on in New Jersey, but I'm telling you right now, after my husband was arrested, I went to local law enforcement. I was speaking to private investigative agencies. I reached out to everybody to let them know what was going on. You know what? They had never heard from the FBI. They would, had invited the FBI to come talk, and they never would come. So there was a missed opportunity here to catch these guys if they had just put an alert out to PIs, local law enforcement. Like, the fact that they don't tell local law enforcement in these New Jersey towns that these are happening, these operations, you're putting people's safety at risk by not doing that. And we wouldn't be talking today if they had done that, because my husband made notifications. So I'm sorry, you know, sending a message to China, they didn't get the message because we just had a parade for Xi Jinping in San Francisco where you had mil our military holding Chinese flags. They're not, this is, you have to do boots on the ground. You have to do local law enforcement. You have to utilize, you know, PIs and, and not punish them. You know, that's not right. And, and they knew that they were using PIs, but they didn't do anything about it. I mean, I want to push this a little further, Martha, because uh, I want to go in a little more insidious direction than even you are, because I think that your uh, assumption is that the federal government here wants to get the bad guys. 
uh, and they're being horribly negligent because your family and your husband is doing his job. He's he's kind of going about his business, and uh, and this is just a failure of competence on their part. But one thing we've seen, and we've seen this particularly in the war on um, on terror, is that the government does not hesitate to implicate people when they want to get them. Uh, in other words, they, they don't hesitate, for example, to find, let's just say, for example, a guy on a campus who is uh, some kind of a radical, maybe doesn't like the U.S. government, maybe doesn't like Israel, but is not a terrorist. And they'll say to this guy, have you thought of joining Al-Qaeda or ISIS? In other words, they have an informant who sort of plants this idea in the guy's head. Uh, and the guy goes, no, man, I'm not going to join ISIS. But then they go, well, you know what? There's a training camp in Pakistan. And the guy goes, well, I don't have a passport. I don't have any money. And the government then goes, well, how about if we get you a passport? How about if we give you the money? What I'm getting at is their objective here is to demonstrate that terrorism is on the rise and they are brilliantly cracking down on it and they're not mm-hmm. above going after people that they know are innocent. And by innocent, I mean this guy may be a radical, but he's not a terrorist. You're, you're right. drawing him into a scheme that he not otherwise would not have been part of. So when you say things to me like, you know, they knew my husband was innocent, it immediately <laughs> sets off an alarm bell in my mind because it tells me, well, I wonder if this is part of their way. See, if they grab some Chinese guy, A, those guys are harder to get because they and flee the country. They, you know, they, whereas your husband is a high profile target in the country. And so and it yeah. makes them look good. It satisfies their ambition. Uh, and what's disturbing to me is that I've seen this happen in the ideological uh, area. But it now seems to be spreading out into normal life. And it's hitting a lot of people like your family where your husband is like a genuine American hero. He's a good guy. Absolutely. And so they're making a good guy into a bad guy. I mean, what what does that feel like for you and for your family? I think it's disgusting. I I think it is truly, uh, you know, they could not find one bad thing about my husband. They looked, they were trying so hard you know, they really tried to paint him as an unlawful person, taking legal PI work and trying to make it look nefarious. And it wasn't, you know, you have a jury who doesn't understand that what private investigators do. And as much as you try to hammer that in, it's that they're going to paint you as a horrible person. And it's, it's absolutely wrong. And you brought up entrapment. And we address that because why are they talking to Chinese agents who are willingly talking to them, who are lying to them most of the time, right? They're have, they're working with them, but they're not working with U.S. law enforcement. Make that make sense. You know, they had one of the witnesses who lied to the FBI many times. I think he said they interviewed him 10 times or something like that. It, it's like, so you're, you're spending multi-millions of dollars of U.S. taxpayer money to go down a rabbit hole of people that don't c- care about our country, are not patriots like my husband, who have dedicated their lives to, to the betterment of others. And you're discarding them. You know, you're, it's wrong. And there needs to be change. You know, I've tried very hard to find out, like, what was the protocol with when, it, when a U.S. member of law enforcement, two federal agents, by the way, who have security clearance, who are involved, who are never spoken to. Is that a, is that a protocol? Or there was actually two people who my husband worked with in the same office as the case agent in this case. So you're going to tell me for four years that they were investigating my husband, they couldn't 
by the water cooler, talk to these guys. I'm assuming they didn't because he worked with them in the NYPD at some point. If you just ignore the fact that the truth is on the left over here and you just pretend it's not there, it doesn't make it untrue. It just makes the fact that you're not looking at it because you don't want to know the answer when you're deliberately ignoring the truth. It is that is so wrong. That's why when I say I've spoken to people who have worked in the U.S. government who are wonderful people, you know, the China Initiative did wonderful things that was doing great work. But this is not what it was supposed to be. And the fact that we couldn't talk about it at trial and the fact that it was a f- apparently a failure in some regard, it, it, it's not my fault. It's not our family's fault that 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 was the case. You know, if you're if you're not utilizing your assets, which these guys are assets, you know, these NYPD guys, these two federal agents, they, they were assets to us and to, to not use them and. These people have put their lives on the line for our country and would die for our country. My husband's almost died for this country numerous times between the police shootouts and everything else that he's done in his career. And to have that totally disregarded to me as his wife, as his father of my children, to see what they've done to him is a disgrace. It is a disgrace. But I also have to believe that in the end, there's people out there who know that they know the truth and they're going to speak up and they're going to help us make sure this is right. And the judge is now looking at motions to overturn this case. We had ample amounts of evidence that they didn't prove their case. And I really pray that she writes this wrong because if we're going to build back trust in the justice system, we're going to, if we're going to have people out there in the world to believe that the good guys win in the end because they're, they're the right ones. They're the ones doing the good things. They have to fix this. And we will help fix it in the long run, too. We will help other people. We will help maybe build more protocols and, and work with the government to to educate. The fact that they don't know that PIs are being used or they, did, they didn't share it, that's bad right, right out of the gate. We'll be right back for a final segment with Martha Byrne. You have aches and pains? Well, I have something for you. We, Debbie and I started taking Relief Factor three years ago now. The difference we've seen in our joints is just nothing short of amazing. Aches and pains are totally gone thanks to this 100% drug-free solution called Relief Factor. Now, how does it work? Relief Factor supports your body's fight against inflammation. That's the source of aches and pains. More than 1 million people have tried Relief Factor. Well, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for most people. About 70% of people have gone on to order more. Debbie is a true believer. She can now do exercises that for a long time she wasn't able to do. Relief Factor has been a huge game changer for her, her aunt, other members of our family, my kids in the studio and for many other people. You too can benefit. Try it for yourself. Order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. The number again to call, 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. Hey, if you'd like to support my work, here's a great way to do it. 
check out my Locals channel. Consider becoming a subscriber, maybe even an annual subscriber. I post a lot of exclusive content on Locals, including content that is censored on other social media platforms. On Locals, you get Dinesh Unchained, Dinesh Uncensored. You can also interact with me directly. I do a weekly Q&A every Tuesday. So tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, no topic is off limits. Lots to talk about. I've also uploaded some cool films to Locals, documentaries, feature films, my films, films by others, 2000 Mules is up there and also Police State. If you're an annual subscriber, you can watch these movies, stream them and watch them for free. So check out the channel, dinesh.locals.com. I'd love to have you along for this great ride again. It's dinesh.locals.com. I'm back with uh, three-time Emmy award-winning actress Martha Byrne. We're talking about uh, this outrageous case involving her husband, Mike McMahon. Uh, Martha, let's talk about the the trial itself because... You know, you can have a an ambitious prosecutor. You could even have some uh, corrupt or unscrupulous FBI agents. But we always have the expectation that when you put it in court, there's cross-examination. There are two sides as a judge. The judge's job is to make sure that the whole process is fair. Uh, the jury is there to listen attentively to what the facts are and try to make and. You hinted at this earlier. I mean, when you're dealing with a judge excluding exculpatory evidence, a jury that there's a guy dozing while the case is being is Many. being talked about, <laughs> more than one. I mean, mm-hmm. what what is it the case that God. that our juries are just not capable of sifting through, or is it the case that the prosecutors have so much of an advantage because they? You know, you gave one example. They put a bunch of nefarious Chinese guys up there, throw your husband's picture into the middle of that mix, and the jury goes, "Well, he's obviously one of the bad guys." Uh, I want right. you to talk a little bit as someone who who went through this and sat there and watched it happen. What's happening in the courtroom that justice becomes so skewed? I think that I have to give the judge. You know, when that happened with his picture, that we 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 made an objection to his picture being there, and the judge agreed and moved his picture to the bottom of, of the, the the triangle you know and and i also learned that the prosecutors are given as much as they are needed to be given to prove their case right so the judge's job is to to weigh the balance of giving the prosecutors what they need to prove their case so enough but when you're talking about defending your life and you can't tell the jury that this guy he would never in a million years betray his country and he walked away with a few thousand dollars on this case that's wrong and i learned way too much about how the prosecution can get away with so much and i'm again shocked that they would work so hard to paint my husband as a criminal when they know he's not i find that to be is the antithesis of what our justice system is supposed to be. And I, with the jury sleeping, you know, I counted one day, it was 28 minutes, one of the jurors was asleep. One of the jurors pulled their hoodie down once and was putting their head down and sleeping. And I wanted to scream, like, this is our life we're talking about here. And they're not paying attention. And it's, and I feel like, you know, no. Uh, agents who worked on this case testified, not one, nobody, so that we couldn't cross-examine them. I just want people to understand that. 
So the people who actually worked four years on investigating this case, who stood by it as one of the biggest fox hunt pace operations, you know, this, this, this huge case, nobody who worked on it testified. None. So we couldn't cross-examine them about it. How wrong is that? Like, if this is your case, you should have to take the stand so we can actually ask you questions. Why did you let the guy flee the country? Why didn't you come to Mike McMahon and, and the other uh, uh, law enforcement and, and bring them in? Did you go to the local police and ask about who had been there? Like, we couldn't do that. And I feel like that shit needs to change. And there's a couple of things. I, again, I'm not pie-in-the-sky person like, ooh, I'm going to fix everything. But here's the bottom line. You should be able to present a defense in, in, in everything possible. And the fact that you can't present statements from people because they're not here, okay. But this is not, it, you're up against it. You know, there's a statistic that 90% of people who get charged with a federal crime take a plea deal. 90%. 8% get a drop before trial. And 2% go to trial. 2% people go to trial. Of that 2%, the prosecution wins 99.5% of the time. Now I know why. Now I understand, but it's, it doesn't make it right. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it does, uh, it, it's not justice in any recognizable sense of the term. That's the point I think we're trying to convey. Yeah. I mean, let's set the motive for this. I mean, you have a, you have a successful family. Your husband, after he retired and became a PI, you live in a really nice home. And yeah. the government is in effect saying, that in a case, as you say, a routine case, doing some surveillance and so on, in an apparently civil matter, where your husband has paid $19,000 or roughly $19,000, he's hired a couple of PIs, so he ends up paying them so that his net is considerably less than $19,000, that in effect he was willing to sell out his country you know, the, uh, and work as an agent of a foreign government, quote, for money. Now, right. if I was on that jury, I would go, this is ridiculous, right? This is right. on the face of it absurd. Uh, but you're saying that, so uh, what intrigues me is they're able to pull it off, you're saying, because they don't even go into the actual facts of the case that would enable Correct. the jury to see this makes absolutely no sense. If your husband was being paid $8 million under the <laughs> table or something, then he'd be like, oh, well, maybe. Right. But uh, right. nobody would put their... Uh, and I'm assuming that the legal cost of this case, the emotional oh. cost of it, the effect on your... Let's talk about that because I, uh, it, I think it helps to show that they are willing to really destroy an all-American family... Under Correct. the claim that your husband made what ten thousand bucks, he actually made about six thousand dollars walking away, and 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 I really upset me. They're like, he did it for money. I'm sorry. I worked for thirty five years in the entertainment business. I was semi retired. We owned our house. We had no mortgage. We had no debt. We had no credit card debt. We had we had money in the bank. He had he was semi retired because he had been injured on on the job in the police chase, and he was being he did PI work because he really loved it. He did so much pro bono work as a PI. You know, he did that all the time. So there was no financial motive whatsoever. So it, it, but, but they knew that, right? They know that and they have nothing else to, to make him look. They have no motive. There was no motive, period. But to bankrupt us, you know, these cases cost about a million dollars on, on, if you're going to fight the government, you better have a million dollars in the bank. Okay. To be able to fight back against this. This is why a lot of say, people take plea deals. The pressure from the government. Wow, they, they play dirty with you, you know, and they're, it's so, you know, they send voluminous, voluminous 
uh, discovery to your, your attorney. That's 1200 1500 1600 an hour. So you have to read it at your lawyer's office. Like you can't take it home. Um, it, it is, they want to bankrupt you. That's their goal. They want to break you financially, emotionally, spiritually. They want you to cave. And I said from day one, he said, I will never take a plea deal. I did nothing wrong. I broke no law. I will fight this. And I was right there beside him. I said, I don't care. I will do anything to, to help you. We will figure it out. And our lawyers are incredible and amazing. And they trust him and know he's a great guy because he's worked for some of the top attorneys in the country, honey. And they know how, how much integrity he has. And they're willing to help us and work with us. But that's not like every American. We're very fortunate to have people like you who have let me come on and talk about this. Do you know how many people have contacted me who are broken emotionally, who have been who have been totally railroaded and, and are asking for my support emotionally to help them? And I will help. But that's, we can do better. We need to do better. This is not how it should be. And I, I, uh, we'll get through this. It's been three years. You know, my, my kids are amazing and they love their father and they know he's a hero. But to have them sit in court, my boys sit in court and listen to what they did to their father. I was, I, they wanted to come. They wanted to see. I said, you need to see the people that did this to your family. If you want to go see them, come on in. You won't believe it. You won't be, you're going to be shocked at what they say and how they get away with it. It, it, it. It's, it's dirty. It doesn't feel, it feels dirty. And I, I, we've lived our lives of integrity. I am a, a, a person who loves this country. I believe I, we come from law enforcement, firemen, military, first responders. My husband has nine brothers, had nine brothers and sisters. Their whole entire family and gender, multi-generational of dedication to this country. So we know that there's so much good, but there has to be accountability for those who do not do it, the good, the right thing or else this will continue. So I, I hope, um, we're talking about the other end of this soon and we can, and I, pro- I've talked to DC. I've talked to congressmen. I have been, I have been screaming from the mountaintops. I'll tell you, there's been a, some congressmen who have been fantastic with me and I can't wait to, to re- support their reelection when it happens because there's some wonderful people out there who have helped us. Well, thank you, Marta, for sharing your story. I got to say, just in, you know, in wrapping it up, that there's a question here of whether we have a, an abuse of the system, a breakdown of the system, or do we have a system itself that is in need of fundamental reform? I mean, I'm, I have come around very much to the latter view that the system itself creates these kinds of injustices because you just described, you know, you described a process that is punishment in and of itself. Uh, right. If they send you 800 questions to answer, you then have to pay a lawyer for $500 an hour to answer those questions. Then they send you 800 more questions. They're ruining your family. And that's before yes. you've even gone to trial. That's before the Correct. process has really even started. So there's something very I, pernicious about it. Because remember, the people that are doing it, they know they're doing it. They're very conscious of what's happening. They they see it. They see the ruinous effect of what they're doing, and yet they do it anyway. And it seems to me that therein is the problem. Well, I think more people need to hear about 
cases like this because it alerts them to the serious problem we have in the country. Uh, I want to mention the Pipe Hitter Foundation, pipehitterfoundation.org. And there's a, uh, there's a, a section on Michael McMahon. So learn more about the case, guys. And uh, Martha yeah. Byrne, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Mike, Mike, my family. We all appreciate it because we can do this together, right? We're, we are stronger together and uh, we can create change. And don't ever tell me one person can't make a difference because I was worked with, the, I was on St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I have been involved with the hospital since I was a child and Danny Thomas changed the world. And that was one man. And I, I really follow his, his mission of, of giving back and changing what you can with the power that you have. So thank you. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com.